Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively on today's show. It's our annual Business Lessons from the Movies Podtacular Edition, and we'll be joined by the founders of the Foot Candle Film Society, Alan Jackson and Chris Fry. We'll give you some movie ideas to make it through the holidays with a minimum of awkward conversation with your in-laws. We'll also share some small businesses that you should be checking out in our Small Business of the Month feature. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm the director of the Manufacturing Solutions Center in Conover, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is Executive Dean of Economic Development and Corporate Education at Catawba Valley Community College. Did I get that right, Gary? God bless you. You did. All right. I'm so impressed. Well, I'm, it's, it's always it took a or, year. fluid and organic, <laughs> and don't count that I'll get it right next month. I but understand. anyway, welcome. You're doing okay. Doing okay is a good word. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. That's great. Have you, have you done your Christmas shopping? I've done some for the children. Some for the children, okay. And the grandchildren. Let's not forget about the children. No, the children are important. Okay. That That's something? what they tell me. That's right. Well, we also have our friends and colleagues, uh, Chris Fry and Alan Jackson. Chris, Alan, how are you guys doing? Doing great. We always look forward to doing this every year, so uh, I'm excited to be here. Appreciate the invitation to come back and join well, you guys. Yeah, they Happy We're holidays. excited to have you, you with us. It, yeah. it's, it's always a pleasure to have you guys, and, and uh, it's a pleasure to see you throughout the year and, and the Foot Kendall Film Society here in uh, Hickory, North Carolina, Catawba County, uh, uh, puts on, uh, brings in a movie each month that uh, often is not going to make it to our local multiplex. And, Very true. Um, you know, usually uh, a little bit interesting and not always out of the ordinary, but a little bit maybe more critically acclaimed. And uh, we're, we're always a, we're, we're appreciative of being part of uh, the Film Society and the work that you guys do with that. Thank you. Appreciate that. No, it's been, we've been doing it for how long now, Chris? How long has the Film Society been running? Uh, 2008 was when we officially So that's started. what, uh, 14 years? Did I do my math right? Yep. 14 years, and then uh, we, we're getting ready to go into our ninth film festival year uh, coming up this fall, or this coming fall. So, That's uh, right. We host a film festival here. I say mm-hmm. we, I, the Foot Candle Film Society, mm-hmm. host a film festival here over, I think, four days. Maybe it's five days now. I don't know. You it's, guys keep uh, expanding. It's going to be seven this year. Okay. Yes. It's going to be a whole week. <laughs> That's what success looks like. Yeah. Just uh, take off the whole week and come join it with us in September. It'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I don't know if I'll take off a whole week, but I will be joining us, Come joining and and uh, always. Jeff, you don't have to say that. Well, you can I go. I do go. Oh, I do. I've seen. They've actually seen you. me there. Yeah, yeah, I know. Got permission. I'm just yeah. saying you're, you're thinking about you're going to yeah. be out of work for a week. <laughs> uh, probably probably not. You never know. Anyway, our our main topic today: yes. business lessons from the movie, the mm. movies, and our premise, uh, as it has been for the last several years, is that. We all love the holiday season. We love spending time with our family and our friends. We love giving gifts. We love getting gifts. But there will probably come a time when we might need some downtime, uh, when when we might want to put something, uh, whether it be Netflix or some on-demand service or whatnot on, and, and not have to talk as much, just to relax <laughs> with the family. So our job is to give you some ideas of Movies, documentaries, whatever, some things uh, to watch could be classics, could be obscure. And our job is to try to find a business lesson in these movies. So that's that's the challenge that we face today. And with that said, we've all picked a couple. We have not discussed them with one another. We keep our fingers crossed that we don't have any overlap. And Chris, Alan, which of you would like to go first? Oh, you want me to go first? Sure. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, right off the bat, uh, I'm going to bend the rules just a little bit. I think the definition of a film or a movie is these days is a little bit broader. I mean, uh, there's a lot of forms of, of entertainment out there that may not fit into the normal movie format of you sit down for an hour and a half, two hours and watch it at one time. So I'm going to cheat just a little bit with my first choice and that this is not technically a movie. It is technically a very, very short, limited series. But I tend to watch these things in one batch. And if you watch all four episodes of this, it is two and a half hours. It's a long movie. It's a movie. Is that okay? Is, am I allowed to give this pick? 
Okay. Well, I think it's too late to stop you now. Well, sir. I mean, I've got, <laughs> I've got backups, but this is the one I really wanted to key in on because this is relatively new. This is like really within the last two months, I think, showing up on Netflix. Uh, the The name of it is Pepsi Where's My Jet. Okay. Pepsi Where's My Jet? Yeah, with a question mark at the okay. end. Pepsi, comma, Where's My Jet? All right. So I'm taking it by you guys scribbling the name down that you're not familiar with this series. And that's mm-hmm. exciting because now I get to tell you the story about this and what the lessons are you get from this series. Okay. Do you guys recall back in the 1990s that Pepsi had a big promotional campaign, their Pepsi points? The idea you buy Pepsi, you get these little points on it, mm-hmm. you build up these points, and they have a catalog of all these things you can buy with these Pepsi points. They made a commercial where it was showing that a, a kid was a, getting sunglasses that he got with his Pepsi points, and he's got a backpack or something like that. And then he walks out of his front yard, and a Harrier jet lands. And along the commercial, it's saying like sunglasses, 20 points, backpack, 50 points, whatever. The Harrier jet lands and it says Harrier jet, 7 million points. He hops in the Harrier jet and flies off to school. Okay. Ha ha. Funny. It's a joke. Commercial. However, in 1996, a 21 year old business student named John Leonard looked at that commercial and said, you know what? I want that Harrier jet. And nowhere in the commercial did it say that this was a joke. And it did not say that there was any stipulation why I could not raise 7 million points and get a Harrier jet. So this, this little mini doc, this documentary series, which, you know, four episodes worth is basically showing you how he went about going against Pepsi. He basically went and raised enough money with other investors to buy enough products and things to be able to get the 7 million points. But Pepsi refused to honor it, saying that the commercial was made in a joke. Mm-hmm. So the whole epi- the whole series is basically their back and forth on, you know, what's legitimate, what's right for the businesses false to do on either side, false advertising, what the marketers should have done or shouldn't have done with it. And it's back and forth. There's lawsuits. There's uh, a whole lot of things. They bring in Cindy Crawford. She's doing parts of the interviews for the show because she was like the big Pepsi spokesperson at the time. Uh, you hear interviews with some of the actual Pepsi executives at the time. Uh, and then John Leonard himself, the young guy who went after this, he's kind of the, the main character we follow. Um, it's really fascinating because a, we all live through it. We can kind of, mm-hmm. when they showed the commercial on the show, I recognized that I remember this. Um, but what's really fun about it is uh, to me, those lessons that you do pull away from it. I mean, you look at this and Pepsi made some bad moves in this whole situation that probably could have fixed this and made it a, a smarter move for them to, to, to do. First off, um, they didn't really trust their marketing professionals. Okay. Supposedly the story is, and I can't remember if this was actually in the show or if I read about it afterwards, but their marketing team that was helping put together the campaign for these points, when this whole idea of the Harrier jet landed came in, they, their initial pitch was we need to make it 700 million points. We need an outrageous number to be on the screen that nobody could even like possibly reach. The Pepsi executive said, we don't like the way that looked. And they eventually whittled it down to 7 million points because they thought that looked better on screen, mm-hmm. even though the marketing professional said, I don't know about that, but it's fine if that's what you want to do. And of course, that's what led Mr. Leonard to saying, 7 million points. I actually did the cal- cal- calculations on this. I can actually pull that off. 700 million Probably would not have been able to do. But um, anyway, it's just a little bit of, you know, they didn't really listen to their marketing professionals. They didn't listen to the people giving them advice on what would present better for the public. Obviously, the idea of doing what you say, you know, I mean, uh, the company did not disclaim that that was a joke, did not do anything to uh, have a disclaimer on it at all. So should they have got the the guy a Harrier jet? You have to watch the show to see how it ends up. But should they have done it from day one? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Was it a worthwhile investment for them to buy a Harrier jet for this guy just for the court of public opinion to look better? Um, Luckily for Pepsi, this all didn't transpire when social media was around. Because, you know, if it had happened today, they would get raked over the coals and they would be ponying up a $32 million Harrier jet like pretty quickly uh, just to to deal with it. So I think it's some interesting lessons about 
honesty in your advertising and your marketing, thinking about the court of public opinion. How are people going to read this and see this and follow this? And uh, what do you do when things go south? Because the reaction that's right. is key. It makes me think of the McDonald's hot coffee. Exactly. Same idea. <laughs> Pepsi did not handle the situation well. They tried to give Mr. Leonard some coupons <laughs> for Pepsi products. You would think that maybe they would have offered a date with Cindy Crawford or, as, something. As, or something like that. Yeah, but basically it was kind of insulting. And then yeah. they went around and sued him. In, like countersuit them. So in other words, that's not really the look you want your business yeah. to have when there's a, Even a if somebody. Even you win, you lose. Yeah, exactly. So it's thinking about that court of public opinion. How do you kind of manage those expectations? Doing what you say you're going to do um, even if it hurts as a business, but it, it's ultimately going to pay off better for your presence and how people see you as a company and, and all that. So obviously I, I don't think we're all going to have $32 million mistakes to make in, in, in our businesses from the most part. Pepsi is a huge, obviously multinational corporation, but it's amazing to me when I see a company that big still take some real missteps on how to handle relationships with their customers mm-hmm. so anyway that's pepsi where's my jet and now uh, did this, this fellow have like choice. a warehouse full of pepsi when when the smoke <laughs> cleared i i i'm not going to tell you i'm not okay. going to tell you how it ended <laughs> okay. because again that was part of the reason for me wanting to watch uh-huh. it is like well i was I, i'm now familiar with the situation i want to see how john leonard ends up at the end is he okay. flying around in a harrier mm-hmm. jet does he have one in a hangar or is he just surrounded by pepsi i don't yeah, know and and you know the way the way you i'm not I don't remember the commercial. Okay. I suspect if I see it, uh, watch the show, which I'm interested in doing now, maybe I'll remember it a little. Yeah. But but Pepsi couldn't make the play. So, well, this was for a ride on a Harrier jet. We're not actually giving you said Harrier jet. I don't, I don't oh, know. that would have been interesting. I wonder yeah, if yeah. there's probably some rationale for that. I think it's just the fact that the Pepsi product catalog were all merchandise yeah. you could buy. So when they show a jet in that same mm-hmm. framework. Yeah. Now, Pepsi did try to make the argument of saying, well, the jet was never in the printed catalog that we had at all the stores. Okay. That's our argument of saying why it's obviously not legit. But how hard would it have been just a simple little disclaimer at the bottom of the commercial saying, not an actual prize? You know, that's it. Um, it's like these commercials, actor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, this is an actor, not an, a real person. Um yeah, I, I you know the the soda wars have gone on for so long. I wonder has anyone ever done a movie on New Coke and uh, oh, that yeah, strategic that whole, decision? I don't. I mean that, that would whole be debacle a, there. That's yeah. uh, interesting. So I, I I was always a Coke person as opposed to Pepsi, but I yeah. that was certainly a, a, oh, a that business was devastating to me because yeah, I'm a Coke person. Yeah, you know, mm. that was quite the business decision that uh, didn't appear to be researched. Properly, no. uh, that that would make for an interesting documentary or movie or something. I agree, so, completely agree. Yeah. And this kind of goes in line with I think they kind of relate a little bit. If you remember, there was even a uh, documentary about the McDonald's Monopoly game. I think it was called McMillions, where that was like a big turned out to be a big controversy. Where the whole McDo- Monopoly game that was played at McDonald's for many years turned out there were like prizes not being distributed correctly or something. So there was a little bit of a docu-series about that as well and uh, kind of in the same vein. So my recommendation is sit down and watch all four episodes back-to-back is a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Therefore, it counts as a movie I can recommend on our movie podcast. I think that is fine. That is fine. (laughs) Well, let's throw it to Chris. Chris, what are you going to start us with? Okay. So like Alan, I'm kind of skirting the rules a little bit, but – this it is. A, I'm recommending a documentary. I try to always split this up with one documentary and one narrative. This year, I'm actually going to do two documentaries, but both are really, really, really good. Um, this one is on Disney Plus, so if you have that service, it's easily accessible to you. And like Alan's recommendation, bending the whole movie thing, it is 360 minutes, so it's like five or six episodes. But what it is, it's called Light and Magic. And it is a documentary that follows the formation of Industrial Light and Magic, which you may have heard of this small little company that George Lucas started. Mm-hmm. George Lucas, <laughs> him being of Star Wars. But it follows, it reminded me of kind of, you hear stories of the early days of Apple forming with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and mm-hmm. kind of was in a garage type thing. That's how Light and Magic started. And George Lucas threw together a bunch of basically nerds who liked you know, looking at comic books and had like little figures and all that like, and they, what they achieved was amazing. And they also had to do so many innovations to get things working right. Um, T 
two different things I'll share. Just quick little stories that'll give you some insight. George Lucas was off shooting Star Wars, but he was doing all the, you know, acting stuff. These guys were supposed to be doing the effects. They had like a slip inside out in the parking lot. They were having pizza and beer parties every day. He comes back and he's like, what have you guys been doing? <laughs> he hasn't been there with the employees kind of watching what was going on. But they managed to put together the special effect of when the escape pod leaves the Star Destroyer at the beginning of the movie. And after he saw that, he's like, okay, but you need to be doing more of this. <laughs> basically, they had done one effect shot when they were supposed to had been doing a lot more, like basically completed the effects for the movie. So that was one thing. The other thing that was really interesting, you talk about innovation, small business and everything. Industrial Light and Magic was responsible for doing the effects for Jurassic Park. They started doing them because of the background, all practically, which means you basically have little puppets doing stop-motion stuff. They'd done that for Empire Strikes Back. They'd done a lot of stop-motion work in that. They were doing the stop-motion work for Jurassic Park, but two of the employees were like, you know what, I think we can do this all on the computer. And so on their own time, at night and stuff, they worked stuff up. And then when Steven Spielberg came around, they're like, hey, we just we just want to, and they actually, I think he came around just to say hello, but they had it running in the background in their office, and he was like, what, what, what's that? <laughs> and at that point, it was like, okay, yeah, we've got it. He's like, no, this is this is what I want. <laughs> so it was just really interesting to see people take their ideas, and you put the right people in the right place together who have the same share the same vision, and it was amazing the stuff they came up with. That doesn't seem like it would work, mm -hmm. but it did work. And then, of course, all these other companies started copying the way they were trying to do things. So it is a little long, 360 minutes to a couple of episodes. But it's also fun because they're talking about effects for Jurassic Park, E.T., Raiders of the Lost Star. I mean, all these movies, you're like, oh, yeah. And they, like, they the, did cool the big ones. Yeah, the big ones. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just really cool to see the behind the scenes all in one place of these people doing the effects. So um, Light and Magic, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's also directed by Lawrence Kasdan, who directed my favorite Star Wars movie, which is Empire Strikes Back. So there's that. And he was given, like, unprecedented access to, like, all this footage these people had shot over the years of them doing behind the scenes. So it's it's if you like any of those movies, and maybe you're not really into documentaries, Watching this, you'll learn a little bit about how to run a business, but also just see a lot of really cool things about the movies. I so. how, like those faces melted in Raiders of the oh, Lost Ark. Yes, 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 absolutely. Okay. They, okay. Show, they show you that one as well okay. and how they came up with that idea and everything. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right. Very good. Very good. Excellent. Gary, what are you going to talk to us about? really straightforward. And, of course, it ties into one of my themes, Elvis. Oh, oh See, that that is, Gary, no, that, that was so is good. A good one. That I didn't is even a think good about one. that. I was I trying to either. think of a new movie in the last few months. Yeah. And that's perfect. Yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's, of course, you it's know, great. I love everything I've done Bohemian Rhapsody, Rocket Man. Yeah, <laughs> how I, I learned about the all theme. these stars <laughs> and see how successful they are, but how sure. they're taken advantage of from business or their success is taking them down bad roads. And, of course, Elvis is a classic. Absolutely. A superstar. Of course, I was able to watch it many times because my wife's in love with Elvis. So. Mm, okay. <laughs> she was okay. And then she said, this is great for your podcast. Perfect. Because I mean, it really is. Uh, what happened to them from a financial standpoint. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Mrs. Muller. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was the whole situation where, you know, Tom Parker, Colonel Tom Parker yeah, Colonel. kind of. Uh, he took yeah, Took some advantages, and according to the movie anyway, yeah. and. Uh, that relationship, yeah, that's, it was a fascinating relationship yeah. between a artist and someone just focused on the business, like exactly. uh, just treating it like a commodity and mm -hmm. like and he how do I his problems? This? And so Colonel Parker took advantage of all the success because Elvis is just trying to create music and be an entertainer. Uh, and of course, there's some really good things about Elvis uh, yeah. that I didn't know. Of course, I I really enjoyed that film. I, I thought it was too. really I mean, good, very creative, very different, but. Uh, I just I did not know anything about the Colonel Tom Parker relationship. I'd heard some Elvis. things, yeah. but I didn't know, so mm -hmm. it was yeah, very interesting. I'm oh. glad that they kind of focused a lot on that because yeah. that was really kind of intriguing. So yeah, that's yeah, a good I, one. I, likewise, I learned a lot. I knew who Elvis was, and I'd heard that yeah, he was taken advantage of. Yeah. But then just something simple that boggled my mind, and I'd never thought about it before. 
they made it, Colonel Tom Parker made it so that Elvis was never able to tour mm-hmm. outside, outside the United States. States. And I was like, do what? And like, I, that had never dawned on me. I'm like, that's ridiculous. I mean, you think about all these world traveling musicians, and that's how they make their money is yeah. A, they go on tour, and, and B, they to go, go to country, other countries, and they make millions, yeah. I mean, just tons of money. I'm like, Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. so that never and, the, and the control he had over yeah. him. And of course, then he, you know, when he tries to get out, he being Elvis, he can't because mm-hmm. he's just let him take over his financial world and he had nothing. Sure. Yeah. And of course, his dad, who theoretically was in charge of the financial side, knew nothing. Yeah. So they could take it. I mean, it was, Colonel Parker did exactly what he was trying to do. He had people that didn't know. Elvis didn't care. He was just trying to do what he did best and he was treated as the cash cow where he was going to ride this one until uh, until it yeah. drops yeah. and yeah. eventually it does it does exactly and well i uh you know you've you've brought up other films in the years past about the musicians and kind of yeah. the the business side of their careers and I, I i'm sure there were musicians and artists before elvis that probably had some mismanagement or whatever but elvis seems to be kind of the original one that we all hear about yeah. that is the perfect example of such a talented artist that gave control away to other people that then controlled his his path. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing how many other artists still kind of fall in that same Falling trap. That. You know, even after seeing and hearing the story of Elvis, you still they still do it, and that just it's, it's crazy. Well, I'm, it happens. I'm sure with athletes. Oh yeah, athletes, stars, celebrities, all that. Yeah. They don't know the business side. Right. I mean, most people don't know the business side. And so it's be so easy to get. So really the lesson is put trust in the right Mm -hmm. people. Make sure it's people that kind of align with your vision and goals of what you want to do as a creator or artist. And, uh, yeah. And maybe keep your finger in uh, in the books a little bit. Sure. (laughs) Have have somebody that is going to look after you. Yeah, yeah. That's a great pick. I, I racked my brain looking at movies from this year. I'm like, what's a good business movie from like this year? And I, man, Elvis, I just scanned right over. I, I missed that. That's a great one. Well, I didn't have anything from this year either. So I'm going back into the archives a little bit. So, so the two movies I chose are really on the, the opposite ends of the spectrum of inspiration. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to start on the, the bad end. <laughs> All right, sure. <laughs> the darker end, and, and hope, hopefully end on a higher note. But this is a movie that has mystery and suspense and provides an education about financial markets. Mm. Uh, it does have some bad language. But I'm recommending the 2011 movie Margin Call. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is really about the 2008 stock market yep. crash and sort of roughly based on Lehman Brothers, which mm-hmm. went bankrupt in 2008, takes place over about a 24-hour period where uh, uh, a, a, un, a large investment firm is going through some significant layoffs and uh, the risk manager uh, uh, played by Stanley Tucci is, is fired and as he's going out the door he gives one of his uh, young assistants some information uh, on a project he's working on to look at the uh, the balance of accounts and he gets into it and finds that basically the company is in uh, way way over leveraged and and if based on recent volatility in the market if things swing in a certain direction basically they are not going to be able to cover the losses that they're about to experience mm. and uh, they everyone stays up all night reviewing it and uh, the CEO played by Jeremy Irons comes mm. in and 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 I I just find the acting in this movie and the cast in this movie was like Stanley Tucci yeah. Pre-scandal, uh, Kevin Spacey, mm-hmm. um, uh, Zachary Quinto. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, Demi Moore has a role in it. I mean, it's just to, to me the acting seems so tight, and and for a you know business movie that's primarily taking place in office situations, uh, it's it's somewhat it's somewhat riveting. The challenge becomes trying to find some business lessons to take out of this. Uh, How about just don't do this? 
Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift is a great movie. Well, that's it. <laughs> what the heck were you thinking? Well, you know, at one point, Jeremy Irons, uh, the CEO, helicopters in in the middle of the night and looking impeccable in his suit and, and everything. He, he He's talking to people and says that there's three ways to make money in this business. You can either be first be smart or cheat. And we're not going to be proponents of cheating, but just in terms of finding a competitive advantage, yeah. you know, getting being first in the market mm-hmm. is good. You know, coming up with a more innovative, smarter way to do things, that's good. We, we prefer that you don't cheat. But um, you know, basically, ultimately, he uh, makes the decision that we're going to dump all these bad securities on an unsuspecting market to save our own hides. And basically throw the world into economic chaos, and he, mm-hmm. he would rather be first uh, to do it. Uh, so, it mm-hmm. yeah. so anyway, think about competitive advantage. Some philosophical questions where they're basically uh, sort of grappling with this issue of, of uh, you know, is it better to save the company by doing something that's probably, uh, not probably, not ethically sound, and, you know, do we... Do we have to destroy the village to save the village? Do we sell our cons- our customers' stuff that we know is junk? You know, that's there's some uh, questions there, and you know, and and uh, yeah, it's sort of the the other lesson is don't do this. You know, yes. you I came away thinking, you know, these people are just passing paper around and making tremendous bank. Um, you know, it was rather disheartening. Yeah. So you might want to wait till after Christmas. Wait till a dreary yes. January, yeah. February day in the winter to watch this or movie. Today. Or today. Yeah, it's, today it's pretty yeah. gloomy out there. But anyway, it's I, I I find it hard to turn away from watching it. It's sort of like a car okay. wreck that, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's hard to watch it. So anyway, I, I've, good movie. I've never seen it. I've always wanted to. So I need to. I need to. It's on Netflix. I need to raise it up on my queue a little bit and, and check it out. Same, same. I, I think there's some really good acting in it. Not yes, that I'm the good. expert on it, but a really sure. great cast. You're good. Yeah, sounds like it. All right, Alan, back to you. Okay. So um, I'm going to go completely in the opposite direction on just about everything. Um, everything we've talked about so far has been a film that's based in reality or had something to do with a real story or real character. Uh, this film absolutely is not all the films we've talked about so far. Are ones we are generally recommending this one. I'm not, um, I don't like this movie, but I'll explain why in a minute. Um, and also I don't think I've, I don't think I've done a, just a dumb comedy as a business lesson, but here we go. We're going to try this out. So, uh, it's Christmas time as we record this. And that means that uh, my wife has a tendency to just in the living room while we're just working, doing things around the house, whatever, a Christmas movie will be on one of those channels, TBS or something. It just goes on and on. Well, yesterday, the film du jour was uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I saw this film was on in my peripheral for like one and a half times last night when the three hours I was home before I went to bed. And uh, so it kind of seeped into my memory a lot more than I really wanted it to. I don't generally like this movie. I don't think it's really that funny. I think this is Chevy Chase trying way too hard to rekindle his older days in the previous movies. But the plot of this film does lend itself to some interesting business lessons. For those not familiar with the movie, uh, Clark Griswold, hapless uh, father, uh, in a fa- his family, uh, wife, daughter, and son, uh, they've gone on many misadventures in previous movies. Now they're having uh, the family, uh, extended family, over for Christmas. Hijinks ensue. Clark himself is a uh, how do you describe him? He's um, and this is actually one of the lessons from the movie I take away from it business wise. He is someone that uh, overextends himself, spreads himself way too thin. If he was the CEO of this family. For example, he, he has got his fingers in way too many pots and trying to do way too many things, setting way too high expectations for himself and what is going to happen around him to where you know it's going to come crashing down around him because of that. There's even a scene in this movie, which is one of the only scenes I, I like in this movie, where he's confronted by his father. His father is even like, Clark, man, you, you are setting yourself way too high an expectation of how things need to be and you need to let go and just enjoy the moment. I'm like, huh, okay, that's good. Because it's true, he was had this grand idea of you know lights all over the house and 
what size Christmas tree they were going to have and all that. And of course, it's all played for fun, but there is something kind of meaningful to kind of pull from that. The other thing, though, uh, there's a whole plot going on where Clark Griswold, he works in a food additive company. He is a food additive developer or something. I don't really know. He is expecting a Christmas bonus from his company. He's been at this company, I think, 16, 17 years. He's gotten one every year, so he's expecting a Christmas bonus this year. This year, he's going to use his bonus. He wants to buy a pool for his house. He's already put a down payment on the pool with the expectation he's going to get his Christmas bonus. So, of course, when the Christmas bonus shows up, it is not actually money this year. It is a membership to a jam of the month club or something. <laughs> and it sends Clark into a tailspin and he's very devastated. Well, of course you can take the obvious lesson away from this of don't go out and spend money on things that you haven't gotten yet. I mean, that's, that's done. You know, there's one thing to kind of be hopeful about something, but don't ruin your family's future by putting money into something you can't afford to do. And so there's that simple one, but there's also the other thing they, they kidnap or uncle Eddie kidnaps the CEO of the company and brings him there to have a reckoning with Clark. But you know, I found myself, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm on the side of the CEO, but it's like, there was never an explicit promise that yes, there's going to be a Christmas bonus every year. It's kind of employees. I mean, that's up to them if they are going to go out and spend money before they actually get it. The CEO is not really at fault. However, he did create an expectation. And I think that's understanding that obviously if you've got something, a way you've been doing business for so long and you brought people along for that many years, you are setting an expectation of kind of how we're going to continue operating. What should he have done? He should have had an all hands on meeting with employees and say, Hey, look guys, early on, like in the summer, be like, look, here's the deal. We're not having quite the year we need to have. And uh, sorry, but we're not going to have a bonus, but we're going to really work hard and try to try to build back up for the next year. That would have been an easy thing to do. You save all the mm -hmm. expectations uh, and you don't have a lot of people disappointed at Christmas time. Should Clark have expected a bonus? No, but, the ex, but the foundation has been laid by this business. And of course they portray the CEO as kind of this wealthy fat cat who doesn't really seem to care about the employees and all that. So that's obviously, if that was the case as an employee, you could be a little more upset about it. But um, I do think there's a couple of interesting lessons. Again, not a movie I'm recommending. I don't think it's that great. Um, of all the Christmas comedies you could have on, this is one I don't think works as well, but, um, but there are a couple of interesting lessons to pull from Mr. Griswold. Well, I think that uh, this is film. the expectation. Yeah. It is. People shouldn't it's count managed. on it. But, but you got to manage those expectations. Gonna, but if you, you know, if people have been getting it for 10 years, I mean, at some point in their brand, it becomes part of their salary. I'm not well, saying it's, it, that's it, absolutely not saying it should, true. but it does. It's not technically right. It's, it's, but, the, it's the expectation. But you, just like we talked about with Pepsi, you know, that you are managing what people expect from you and you're having to manage that court of public opinion. And, that's a great way to just have a real souring relationship within your own business. You know what's coming. You should give yeah. them warnings. Give a heads up. Have an honest conversation. Good communication. That would have helped, helped save yeah. it. So yeah. again, there's a couple lessons from it from a movie I'm, I'm not high on, but uh, – it's it's a good background when you're when you're doing stuff. I mean, I there, I like you. There are a few scenes that I always enjoy, but if you really sit down and try to watch that movie, it's like, do we really need this movie? You know, yeah. there there <laughs> seemed like there's some Saturday Night Live skits in there exactly. for for ten or fifteen minutes, and there's a couple of scenes that could be played played for laughs. They're kind of funny yeah. on their own, but yeah, as a movie, it's just kind of it's, it's, it's a crash cash grab movie. Yeah. Let's do another vacation movie. Let's do it Christmas. People love yeah, Christmas yeah. movies, all that. And it's on every Christmas. All the time. Uh, all Seriously. It's on, it's we, on tonight. Last night we were watching it, and I was kind of complaining about the movie the whole time it was on to my wife, which I'm sure she enjoyed. That's always fun for her. <laughs> and uh, the minute it ended, the credits ended, it's like, here comes another movie. I'm like, oh, I wonder what this is going to be. And it was the exact same movie starting right back again with, like, no hesitation. So, uh, anyway. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. There are some things to learn from it. Um, have it on the background, I guess, but that's fine. There you go. <laughs> All right, Chris, what do you got? So ever since I think we've been invited to do this podtacular, I've always wanted to recommend the film that I'm going to recommend. The problem has been Disney has made it unavailable to release on home video. The only way people saw it was in 2002. It made the film festival circuit and then they waved their wand and it disappeared. It is now, uh, the film I'm going to recommend is called the sweat box. 
And you can see it by going to archive.org, which is a free internet site that basically archives a lot of things on the internet. And they have a copy of the sweat box that is up there. Now, they don't make any money off of it, which is probably legally how they can have it mm-hmm. up there. The reason I'm re- recommending this documentary, Trudy Styler, does that name sound familiar? You know who that is. That is the wife of one musician named Sting. So this documentary follows the making of the movie, The Emperor's New Groove, which when Sting signed on was called Kingdom of the Sun. Sting was going to do all the music for Kingdom of the Sun. His wife said, I'll make a documentary of this whole process. You love Disney films. I'll document the inside workings of the animation department. Well, she did. And it includes the moment in the documentary when Sting gets a phone call from the producer who says, "Uh, yeah, all your music's being dropped from the movie. Um, and this is Sting of the police. <laughs> like, it's a big deal. Um, now, all that being said, I saw The Emperor's New Groove when it came out. I loved it. it. has David Spade, John Goodman. You can actually take some business lessons from that. David Spade plays this aloof leader of this, like, Incan country. And he, you know, thinks he knows everything. He's all about building himself up, making, you know, changes to the geography, building a big resort just for himself. But he gets to be friends with John Goodman, who kind of shows him like, yeah, you may want to kind of bring yourself down a notch and kind of pay attention to what's going on around you. So that's kind of a business lesson in itself and who you surround yourself with, because one of his trusted advisors is the one who's actually trying to also screw him over, uh, played by Eartha Kitt in the film. So so the film itself, Emperor's New Groove, good movie, you can learn some business lessons, but the sweat box, what they're able to capture what she is able to show inside Pixar and inside Disney. It's pretty amazing. Now the title, what does that mean? Well, Disney created at the time when Disney was formed back in like the thirties, they made a screening room that was like a wood box. It was like all wood. There was no air conditioning. And it was like this pressure situation where they would screen a film and then basically people would tear it apart and say, well, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. So the term they still keep to this day, apparently, they call the sweat boxes when they get the executives together, different producers, and they screen like works in progress of films. And apparently the journey to do the Emperor's New Groove was rough. And they get, <laughs> they get Trudy Styler is able to capture people like animators, like saying, yeah, it happens today at 10. And, you know, we're really nervous because we've already heard they're going to throw out half the storyboards. and all that. So it's there again, I guess both of my picks this year are kind of behind the scenes but to be able to see the behind the scenes and the makings of a of a movie, and would the mo- original movie with Sting with his music would it have been good? Yeah, maybe. But it's just weird to think that it would have been a completely different movie. So it's called The Sweatbox. I recommend it. Um, you can find it free on live at online at archive.org. Um, and I've, like I said, when I think about business lessons. And like, you know, artists trying to work together, all Mm -hmm. these different things. Like, this is great. I've actually seen some people jokingly say, hey, now that Disney Plus has this streaming service, would they put it out? And I don't know, because it is, (laughs) it's critical, obviously, at times of the organization itself, but it is fascinating. So that's my recommendation. Excellent. I've been wanting to watch that. I've only seen like a clip of it at one point when I was searching it out. So it sounds amazing. It's good. Yeah. So is Sting's last name Styler? Is it Sting Styler? So he is Gordon Sumner. Gordon oh. Sumner. And, but then I guess she kept her maiden name yeah. or whatever. But yeah, and it's, see, that's the thing. It's like, how did this even happen? And it's like, oh, it's his wife doing the documentary. Okay, because the stuff that she's able to get is pretty pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, and and I, I suspect Sting has a reaction when he learns this news? He does. Okay. He does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. And he ends up kind of... I think the way he comes to term with it is like, well, this is not what I signed on for. So if it's going to, if you're totally kind of shifting gears, then okay, I guess I'm glad I'm not part of it anyway. But it it's fascinating. Okay. The sweat box. Yes. That's great. Strange name. But no. Well, it has see it. Uh, its own connotation when you say a sweat box. Because mm-hmm. you think about it, manufacturing problems right. and issues. And yeah. Operations, so. Yeah. Okay. I kind of love that they still use that term for like the screening room right. to watch the films. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. interesting. It seems appropriate. It does. So. It does. Yeah. All right, Gary. What say you? Gosh, I've got three. One is wow. I haven't 
Scene. You might want to save two for next year. I know, that's exactly <laughs> what I think. So. You've got a year to watch that one. That yeah, you're that's know. exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. I'll tell you after. Okay. Uh, what women want. That's the Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Helen, Helen Hunt. Hunt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another Mrs. Muller. Well, <laughs> maybe we should bring her on next that's year. That's right. <laughs> so I have not seen this movie. What's the lesson? Well, the, well I guess one is uh, the woman, very successful, talented woman. Yeah. And Mel Gibson is there, and basically he's competing with her and goes out of his way, has a plan okay. to basically sabotage her. Mm. I guess that have you seen it? I, I've not seen the whole. I, I'm I'm aware of it, but I've not really seen it. Have you seen it? Chris? I have seen it a long time ago, but I have seen yeah, it. Yeah, and I was gonna say so. But I thought some sketchy. magical thing happens to him, and he can think like a woman or something well, like yeah, that. I guess that's the. We can hear what he they're can thinking. Hear their he can hear yeah. their thoughts. Yeah, and because Mel Gibson's known to be a sensitive person. No, yes, <laughs> in every part of his life. Yeah, yeah, really. And so, yeah, that's that's the the trick. But basically, he's. Undermining Helen Hunt, who is uh, at the end. Well, I guess I can't tell you what happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm betting there's a happy ending there's out a very there somewhere. Because you know the Mullers have to have a happy ending. Okay. Sure. Uh, okay. It turns into a romantic. Okay. Uh, so is the lesson we should learn to think like women? Well, I think that's true. It's kind okay. of dramatic anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's a given. Yes. That okay. is, yes, I think that uh, good wins out over evil. Ooh. Okay, that's always a good business. But it's in, in 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 a business sense. She's you know what what and what uh, they're they're in some sort of office setting too. Right? Yes. Is that some yes. sort of business or yeah. marketing business mm-hmm. or, or and and she's very talented and very she deserves to move up through the mm-hmm. organization and, and get where she gets to. Oh, but he's exploiting it and because he, he yes, and he's trying to yeah. stop because he'd like to be in that mm-hmm. position. Yes. Right. If Got she wasn't it. there, he'd be. He thinks he'd be in that position. Is I that see. fair? Am I saying? Right? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So a little corporate intrigue, a little competitiveness, but uh, okay. But it ends. And then a little well. romance. A little yeah. romance, but it ends well. Yeah, it ends well. I'm right. a bigger fan of Helen Hunt than Mel Gibson. Yeah, I like well, Helen. I am I like too. Helen Hunt. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just good. Okay, uh, that's good. No, I've actually, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've never seen it, but that may be one that shows up on my list. So, okay. Yeah, it's a good. Sounds like a good family movie. Fam- ex- you took the yeah. words out of my mouth. It's a good okay. family. Good. Yeah, can yeah. we watch that one with the kids? Yes, you can. Okay, good. Okay, good. Perfect. All right. Like All right. This one you can watch with the kids as well. This is, okay. yeah, this is high on the inspiration okay. scale. It's a sports movie, which I enjoy, pride, underdog story. Most of all, coming together as a team. Okay. So my inspirational movie is Miracle. The story of the U.S. hockey team Love it. winning the gold medal in 1980, starring uh, Kurt Russell, who plays Herb Brooks. And I was never, I was never that big a Kurt Russell fan. I, I, I was fine, but I just <laughs> he he made a believer out of me in this particular movie in this particular role as 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 Herb Brooks, and he puts together a team of amateurs and. Gary, I know, knows the story. Yes, I, you know, Chris absolutely. and Alan are a little younger than us. I, I, yeah. But I, I, I assume most people are sort of familiar with the story, and we, you know, we probably watched, watched it. the game on videotape yep. because oh, wow. that's how it was done at that point <laughs> yeah. in time. It wasn't live, and we didn't have Internet to know who won. So uh, you know, I, they, I think they delayed it a little bit. But uh, you know, they you know, put together this Back in the 1980s, professional uh, the United States. I'm getting did, chill bumps when you're talking about the it, United I States did not uh, allow professionals to to uh, participate in the Olympics, while other countries did. And uh, the Soviet Union, by far, had the the best hockey team, and were expected to win. And uh, we put together this mishmash of uh, of college players. From, from different places, primarily from Minnesota and from Boston. But, you know, they were competing against each other the whole time in college, and, and he had to put this team together, and ultimately they uh, go on this uh, wild run to, to win the gold medal. Wow. And spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> I think you're okay with that. Okay. Yeah, I think okay. Um, you know, the, other than Kurt Russell and, I, and, and the fellow that plays the assistant coach, Craig Patrick, whose name I would not know if I hadn't gone and looked it up, Noah Emmerich. 
who oh, yeah, you, yeah, sure. you guys probably know, yep. um, mm-hmm. and, and you would know if you saw him. Yeah. He was in The Americans, which is one of my favorite series yes, of all time. Yes, very, very good. Uh, but uh, he's in it, and the rest of them, there might be some actors that Chris and Alan know, but really the, you know, the guys playing the team, you know, I don't really know who they are. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think the acting is good, you know, but the story is, is magical. And um, as far as lessons go, I think the biggest lesson is building a team. And, and at one point, Herb Brooks says, you know, I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right ones, which reminded mm-hmm. me, I don't know if you've ever read the Jim Collins book, uh, Good to Great. And he talks mm-hmm. about getting the right people on the bus and, and In everything. the right seats. You know, so you know, to me, it was, it was a really, you know, how, do, how do you go about building a, a seamless team? And uh, I think he, he recognizes that he's putting a team together that doesn't have the most talent out there mm-hmm. in relation to some of these other uh, European teams and the Soviet team. And, and you know, he, he sort of institutes a, a hybrid of, of different types of play and, and uh, you know, sort of a little out-of-the-box thinking and, uh, and ultimately just, just a leadership story, you know, if, if – you know, I recommend watching this movie. It's it's you know it's sort of a uh, uh, and uh, it'll give you goosebumps. It's a it's great a movie. Great movie. <laughs> and it's a, and um, the fact that it's true is you know it looks but, like a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, you know if if you don't have time to watch the movie, just go to YouTube and, and Google uh, Miracle you know pregame speech or something and, yeah. and listen to Kurt Russell do it. Her books where he talks about you know great moments come from great opportunities and you know, tonight. We skate with them, and we're going to shut them down. And you know, it's uh, it's uh, it is it's a it'll get you going. You yeah, want to run yeah. through that door and go kick some butt. <laughs> See, I love inspirational sport movies. I, I do. It's one of my favorite genres of film, just to kind of always have on, and just I can I can watch it any time of the day. I've never seen Miracle. I don't know uh, why, but that just I mean I knew it would fit right in that genre. I need to I need to catch up on that. It is great. My only exposure is I used to, back in college, I worked for Disney doing, I would be assigned to go to movie theaters in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area, engage audience reactions to trailers. That's what I had to do and report them back in to the marketing at at Disney, like how people are responding to their trailers Mm -hmm. and even evaluating the in theater uh, displays and movie posters and stand-ups and like, are they doing have a That's outright. a cool job. It was. It was a very cool job. And Miracle is one of the films I had to go and like sit in. And normally I would try to like just sit and watch the movie after I'm done listening to the trailers. But for whatever reason, Miracle, I, I didn't get to. I didn't get to see. I got to remedy that sometime. Uh, I, I, I would. I would recommend that one. And I'm trying not to be offended by. Chris's choice, you know, being a former Disney employee, you know, (laughs) I say that it was like, what, nine months. I think I did this job for, for uh, Disney. So you can watch my allegiance is gone. You you can watch this one with the family and, and, and you'll, you'll want to hug everybody at the end. So it's all good. Standing up cheering. Yes. Nice. Very good. Right. Back, back in a simpler time. So. Indeed. Let's kind of a nice mixture of films. Is that all the, the recommendations we got? I think that's what we got there. So, uh, Gary's got, Gary got a couple in the pocket. He can right. I'm for, excited. Uh, uh, in the future. Uh, yeah. Good. Well, and, and he's got Mrs. Muller to back him up. So it's all good. <laughs> that's right. This is a research department. That's there, exactly so. right. All right. Well, so, so we've got Pepsi, Where's My Jet, Christmas Vacation, from Alan, mm. which you know, take you know, take mm. you know, Christmas vacation, you take you know, at your own risk. You, you're 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 going to see it, so you know, yeah. it, you know <laughs> right. it's, gonna, it's anyway. going to find you, yes. and it will be playing on a TV somewhere near you. Yeah. <laughs> Chris has recommended Light and Magic, which you can see on Disney Plus, and The Sweat Box, which you can see on archive.org. Mm-hmm. Gary recommends Elvis mm-hmm. and What Women Want. Now, before you go on, Mrs. Muller said I don't really know what women want. Uh, I just want Disclaimer. you to go on record for that. Yes. Yeah, Mrs. Muller's getting a lot of play today. So <laughs> you know, give her a royalty check for this. All right, we've got, and I'm, I'm recommending, you know, on the different ends of the spectrum, Margin Call and Miracle. So those are some movies that you can be checking out with the family. I want to thank you guys. But we also, before we before we go, we, we you guys up for a little quick lightning round that sure. we play? So, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today's lightning round is sponsored okay. by Ned Ryerson Insurance. Whole life, auto, flood. Can't have enough insurance? 
Stay safe with Ned Ryerson. You can check it out on the internet. So we've got some quick questions for Zing. for Alan and Chris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quick, don't overthink it. Okay. Just quick questions, quick answers. Mm-hmm. What is your biggest pet peeve? I've got one. I've got one. Okay, my biggest pet peeve is uh, in a when you're in a public space and somebody is playing either music or a movie or a game on loud volume in a public space like a restaurant or something like that. So okay. Not using headphones, just playing it out loud. Can, uh, can they talk on the phone or is it just like... Uh, talking's okay because I understand that you have to talk if you're on the phone. But playing a movie, playing music, especially like kids playing games like, you know, on little devices in a restaurant or a public space. Ooh, I do not like that. Okay. Chris? So um, ideas that will be individuals who shoot down ideas without giving what they think like they, they don't they're just like oh i don't like it I'm like no but why like what you know work with me on fun and they're just like nope and i'm like oh that's it's such a missed opportunity to make something better like you don't like fun you know but why don't you and so just not open-minded yes i guess okay. when, when discussing ideas yeah, it's that no. that's a pet no. peeve absolutely okay now I, yeah the very broad one but uh, you know this is this is for you guys do you and, and might be hard for you to answer. Do you have a favorite actor or actress? You know, and they, you, know it's, you, you love all your children, right? So it's hard to pick one. But you know, is there one that uh, over time has just stood out to you? Man. Wow. The wheels, is, the wheels are grinding here. That is yeah. a tough yeah, one. That's a tough one for them. Um, he's not been in enough stuff recently, and I admit the reason I'm fond of him because of his involvement in the Star Wars movies. But I really like Ewan McGregor. Um, he's he was yeah, I like him a lot. He's not in enough now these days. Um, how about you, Alan? Do you have? It changes all the time, but actually, it's kind of funny because it's also related to Star Wars. Okay, um, Oscar Isaac oh, as a yeah, newer actor. Yeah. I mean, granted, he's only been the last you know six or seven years kind of prominent, but. Right now, he's the one that if he's in something, I'm going to try to check it out. Okay. So, yeah. I was thinking, you know, Paul Newman or something like no, that. No, I mean, if I wanted yeah. to go like classic, I mean, Robert Redford's always been mm-hmm. one of my favorites. I mean, I, I like just about everything he does as well. So okay. I, I tend to think more in recent years. But okay. if I had to go longer term, like over the course of cinema, yeah, probably probably Redford or Newman. I mean, those two, I, I could watch I'll, them. I'll any. Cassidy and Sundance yeah, Kiss, like one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Not my favorite. Yes. So. Kate Blanchett on the female side because yeah. she's just, I mean, she's a really solid actress and she seems, I guess, to her advantage, she gets to pick what role she does and doesn't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, therefore, when she does decide to do a role, it's usually going to be a really good okay. one. So. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one too for the actress, oh. yeah. Do you have a favorite holiday dessert? Mm. Holiday dessert? Anything but fruitcake. That's my answer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> holiday enough. dessert. I mean, I got a lot of favorite desserts. I'm just trying to think which one falls under a holiday. Oh, no, I don't have a favorite holiday. No, I'm thinking when you talk about fruitcakes, that's hard to believe we used to do that in business from a businessman. We take that to people. Oh, yeah. Sons of fruitcake? Why, yeah. Why did we do Why'd that? Do that? <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, how about a favorite holiday special TV show? Do you have a, a – I, I don't think it's going to be Christmas Vacation, but uh, <laughs> yeah, is there a, a, a special show, whether it be well, there's TV a, or, the, or a, a movie that, that it's you a movie. need to see at the holiday time? Yes. To get you in the spirit. My favorite Christmas movie is uh, Scrooged with Bill Murray. That is one I can watch all the time, and it gets me weepy at the end every single time. It always does it. And uh, so, yes, I love that movie. Fair enough. Mine's a tie. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and then Elf. Those are two that I and yes, I you know I basically don't need to actually watch them because I can just play them in my mind because I know all the lines and everything. But those are those are. So, so I, I think you could use Elf or Scrooge to find some business lessons as well. Oh, Scrooge, absolutely. Yeah, actually, know. I should have. That should be a choice. I can't yeah. believe that hasn't been a choice uh-huh. up to okay. now. Well, so. people, yeah, well, yeah, people, you can go watch those movies. You're, you're, <laughs> right. you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna stumble into great. them sometime yeah. in the next few weeks. Very so. true. All right, last question. Mm-hmm. Your preference: lager, IPA, ale, or something else? Um, Absolutely anything but IPA. Not an IPA guy. No, sir. Okay, but so you're, lager. I like lager. Lager's okay, kind of, yeah. I'm not a beer guy. 
So I would say something else. Okay. <laughs> give me Coke. a uh, give me a glass of whiskey or <laughs> a glass of wine. Okay, I can do that. I'm not a beer guy. Okay. So well, just I, I well, fight something my, else is okay. My entire family is uh, beer connoisseurs except me. So okay. I, well, do we, do I'd like to know your choices on that question. I I, am, I do not like IPAs as well. I mean, I'll, I'll choke. You and I are the, I will choke one down on occasion, but uh, I would much prefer a, a more of a lager type guy. Although, you know, one of the one of the one of the things that happened during COVID is, uh, I will say that I was starting to feel a bit bloated from the beer, so I did get into the bourbon. You know, so uh, yeah, I, I. That's me. Anyway, so beer is always yeah, just Gary, more than we needed to know. Gary, do you have a preference? Coca Cola. Okay, you yeah. not Pepsi. <laughs> I'll drink Pepsi, but I'm a Coke guy. That's uh, like, yeah. I always have to be careful because I say I'm addicted. Watch that documentary, and you may feel different. Okay. Okay. That's, there you go. <laughs> no, no jet rides for you, though. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, fellas. It's always a pleasure to have you here. We always uh, wind up our podcast with uh, giving a shout-out to small businesses. Uh, uh, Chris, I know that you've got one that you wanted to share. I do. Um, and keeping with, I think, a tradition in past years, I try to do a food one because I know Gary <laughs> likes food. <laughs> Um, so mine is a small business that's actually in downtown Hickory. They are a vegan restaurant, and they're relatively new. The name of the restaurant is Plant Based Boss because they feel like if you eat plant based, you can be the boss mm-hmm. of your health and all these other things. Um, what I really like about their food is they have things like Jamaican jerk chicken or smokehouse deli sandwiches. And if you're trying to be healthy, you're like, oh, I can't have pork. I can't. I'm like, no. It's vegan. So it is not that is basically a substitute, but it tastes amazing. And they also do like peanut butter, chocolate, banana smoothies, and all these other kinds of smoothie stuff that are really, really, really good. So um, that's my small business. If you've never had vegan food, you know, go there and try it because just the sauces or the way they make stuff. I don't know, man. Tastes really good. So you okay. you can Very be cool. eating healthier without feeling like, oh, this is bland. This doesn't have any taste. So it's kind of cool. Okay. So plant-based boss. All right. That is boss. directly across from the Carolina Theater. It in is. Hickory, this is right? true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Alan, you got one to share with us? Um, not as good, but uh, <laughs> no, that was a good, that was a really good one. Um, I, I, I am a, in my spare time, the little of it I have. Uh, I, I get into home automation technology. So how to automate things in my home, lights and outlets and motion detectors and other things to kind of just automate everything in my home. I want it to be when I walk in the house, the light lights come on at the right time and things turn on with my voice. And anyway, it's thing, something my brother and I are both really big into and do a podcast on as well. There's a company that he turned me on to that I've been buying some products from. They're relatively small in the marketplace. Granted, I, you know, they're probably bigger than the plant-based boss sure. company, but um, sure. they do make a lot of products. But the reason I, I want to recommend them, they're called Wise, which is W-Y-Z-E. So wise.com. They make an assortment of products for your home, like home technology. The reason I want to recommend them is their prices are what I would expect these items should be selling for. Unlike most other companies I see where there seems to be a real premium put on all these, these are selling products that are very affordable and they make sense for most homes where I think the pricing has been out of reach for a lot of, uh, a lot of people to do, to invest a lot of money in this kind of home technology. We're talking like little cameras, you know, like little security cameras you can put in your house and pull up on your phone and see they've got, um, um, light bulbs. You know, the whole light bulbs, you can get the smart light bulbs. They're so expensive at places you go. And here, you know, they're like maybe 18 bucks, you know, 16 $18. I mean, which is, to me, a lot more reasonable and makes sense. And the quality's good. I mean, it's good quality. So I think it's just a company that's tapped into saying, hey, look, there's a real need. People want to be doing this kind of stuff. They need this kind of gear. But let's, can we make it affordable and not skimp on quality if we can do it? And they seem to be doing that because their quality has been, in my experience, really good. I've enjoyed all the products I've gotten for the most part. Except uh, one exception, Wise, just, and I've already written them about this. Um, they, this is kind of a funny story. I'll make it quick. But they do sell a digital scale, like a weight scale, which is great. You know, you, you, you put in some batteries, you sit on your floor, you go stand on it. It records your weight and it puts it in your phone. So now I have a track of how I'm doing. Hmm. I, uh, over the course of like nine months or six or nine months, 
I had one of these and I was watching as my weight was trimming down a little bit. I'm like, this is great. I'm really kind of working on getting my weight down. I really wanted to be at a certain point and it looks like the scale showing me I'm getting there. So excited. My family's using it too and they're all really happy with the results. Well, then my mother-in-law walks in one day and she decides to stand on it. And as soon as she gets off, she's like, your weight, your scale's wrong. And I'm like, no, it's not. She's like, no, it is. And uh, sure enough, I went and put some actual weights on it. And yeah, it's off. It is off like a good 10 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) It had gotten progressively worse over time off. Oh, man. So other than that product. So so were you 10 pounds lighter, Alan? No, no. I was 10 pounds heavier. Okay. That's true. But you're still making progress. Too bad. Uh, Actually, I think think it was getting worse over time. So I don't think I made any progress at all. So they did swap it out. They fixed it. It's good. And of course, the new one that came in the first time I stepped on it, I'm like, yep, that's back where I was a year ago. So I'm well, good at least to see. It's a good customer service. No, no. Look, their products come out quick. Okay. I bought some night lights, some really great little uh, right. remote controlled night lights to put up on a stairwell. I got them in two days. They're super easy to set up. I got them installed like in 10 minutes. Right. And they work great. They look great. And it costs like, I spent, I think I spent 20 bucks on a series of six night lights going up and down my staircase that oh. are remote controlled. And um, so I'm just, I'm a fan. I know my brother turned me on to it because he buys a lot of stuff from them, oh. but it's just a nice to see a company that's tapping into something that is a very trendy, trendy product right now, but doing it in a very cost effective way and making, passing that on to the consumers. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, so All right. yeah. You know, and, and you, you mentioned that you and your brother have a, a podcast where you discuss some of this. So shameless plug brothers in tech. Uh, yep. people can find that on the mesh uh, podcast network as well as Apple, Spotify, wherever. All over the place. My brother and I just get together and talk home and family technology every week and right. ideas and recommendations and yeah. Things we're doing in our own homes that we think are helpful to people. So, yeah, uh, yeah thanks I'm, for the plug. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, you know, I listen to it with my wife, and we're you know piddling around and oh, share sure. pieces of it every now and then. Oh, yeah, so, that's good. Yeah, well, well, I'll do. I'll make sure I do a shout out yeah, to well, you. We, you know, we have Christmas vacation on your podcast. You know, <laughs> All those things. Right in our house. So great, high quality products yeah. going on in your house. I see. So yeah. that's good. All right, Gary, what uh, what do you got to share today? Well, Chris already previewed food, food, sweets. Mm-hmm. Charleston chocolate moonshine. Charleston chocolate. We love Charleston. Wow. Love chocolate. Mm -hmm. I can't drink moonshine, (laughs) but it's about candy. Fudge and truffles. It's right by the market downtown. And of course, I thought it was great. And I'm sorry, Mrs. Marr gets another plug. She said, that looks great (laughs) for the podcast. I said, it was a great name. Mm -hmm. And it actually started 30 years ago in Pittsburgh. But folks, and I think it's called, yeah, Goodies Candy. Well, the company started up something similar in Charleston called the Charleston Chocolate Moonshine. And it's, oh, it's wow. basically it's a candy store. Sure. Gotcha. That candy. sounds great, though. It yeah. does. It's right there kind of in the it's, downtown it's, it's, on the marketplace. The market, uh, T-Bones. Yeah, sure. Three or four doors up. Oh, wow. Cool. Mm, next time I'm down there, yeah. I'll have to check that out. We saw it over Thanksgiving. Is nice. there any moonshine available? Mm, I okay. thought so. All right. <laughs> Good to know. All right, uh, my shout-out is to a company that's uh, called Apolla, A-P-O-L-L-A, uh, started by two best friends, Casey Jones and Brianne Zabrowski. They were involved uh, in the dance world and saw the injuries that uh, occur to people's feet in the dance world, so they, they actually came up with hosiery product socks to that had graduated compression to provide support to the ankle and the arch to help prevent some of those injuries and they actually worked a little bit with our manufacturing solution center on some of their product development and in april of this year they were on shark tank uh, and got uh, a deal with uh, gary's friend Lori grenier Mm -hmm. for three hundred thousand dollars to help expand their business fantastic so uh, if you go to apala a-p-o-l-l-a performance.com you uh, you can learn about them and oh, yeah. uh, you know, shout out to them and you can purchase some of their products online if you're interested in that. So very cool. So check That's it out. Great. I'm so, always in the market for some good socks. So. If you have a suggestion for our small business of the month, you can send them to us at eexchange at the mesh.tv. We'd love to hear from you. 
We want to thank uh, Chris Fry and Alan Jackson for joining us today and and sharing uh, their their movie selections. And and where can folks uh, find out more about Foot Candles? So footcandle.org is our website. Don't go to footcandle.com. I don't know where that will take you, but could (laughs) be treacherous. It's Foot Candles with an S, I believe. No, no. Footcandle.org. Okay. And uh, that's where you can see our film screenings that we have coming up each month. And then a button to our film festival that the site will be, it'll be updated for the 2023 festival, probably in the spring. So, uh, uh, but yeah, we'll be promoting it there for sure. But footcandle.org points you everywhere. Sounds good. We also want to thank our friends at the Mesh Podcast Network. You can see a lot of, uh, if, you, if you go to the, the mesh.net, you can... Actually, uh, .tv. .tv, I'm sorry. The mesh.tv, you can see all, the whole stable of uh, podcasts that you can listen to through the Mesh. So uh, be checking that out. And uh, just want to wish everybody happy holidays. Gary, happy holidays to you. Happy holidays you. to Mrs. Muller. Well, thank you. <laughs> happy holidays to everybody. Our honorary fifth member of the That's podcast, right. Mrs. She's Muller. We'll have to have her listen. You'll have to tell her that she got credit a lot today. I don't want to say that okay. she was driving today's podcast. Anyway. <laughs> Everybody, happy holidays, and we'll look forward to talking to you next month. I'm trying to learn more about what we're doing. Good luck.